Today, as we start this study on the armor, I'm just going to give an overview, and then over the next coming weeks, we're going to have ladies sharing the different parts of the armor. So I just wanted to give an overview. If you didn't get a handout there, there in the back, Willie. Hey, no, I just said, you know what? This is a pretty good handout, I have to say today. <laughs> I've been working on it since we started these studies, and I think I'm finally, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this one today. <laughs> so thank you for challenging me. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. And not just the armor of God, but the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. So we're going to read verses 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Father, again, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to um, just proclaim your word. I thank you for the ladies who are here this morning, thank you for their flexibility. Thank you for those who are still making it. And just pray for those who are not able to be here and wanted to. Father, I just ask that you would get the glory today. I pray that all of us would have open hearts and ears to hear what you have to say to us specifically. And that we will take those things that you share with us and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so ladies, beware. Because we are at war. As believers in Christ, we entered this war when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We gained a, lovely, a loving Heavenly Father. We gained an advocate and a lover of our souls, the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we gained God's Holy Spirit to teach and lead us into all truth. But you know what else we got? We got an army of enemies who will stop at nothing to make us ineffective and weak in our walk with the Lord, our new walk. They are doing their best to keep us from enjoying our new family, enjoying our relationship with our Heavenly Father, keeping us feeling guilty, and whatever. Emotional thing he can do, physical thing he can do, financial thing he can do to keep us ineffective. We are in a war for our lives, and in the lives of our families. First Peter tells us to be sober, be, vi be vi vigilant, Can't say it. because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I share that because I just thought that was a great spiritual picture of the enemy at you. He does not care. Wow. He does not care. 
And even though this, the warrior was going to die eventually, he's like, I'm going to make sure I'm going to take you out. And for some of us, we are already taken out. And we need to reclaim our ground. One arrow, it took three arrows, and he was still living. He was still fighting. Some of us are out at the first look at the, he's just looking at you. He hasn't even shot you yet. And we're out. Okay, forget it. I'm done. I'm, it's over for me. But the strength and the courage and the grit that that warrior had to stay in the fight. He had ground to cover. He was supposed to be protecting those two hobbits. He had a mission, and he was going to fight to accomplish his mission. And we have a mission. God has given each one of us a ground to cover. And we faint, we quit at words, a, a negative look. We have got to get stronger than that and stand our ground because there's so much at stake. We are living in the last days before the rapture of the church. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to cover this passage later on as well, but there are some things I wanted to point out here. Verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Would someone please read 2 Timothy 3.12 when you get there. Yea, and, and all that will live Christ Jesus shall suffer for Thank you. So, even though all this in verses 1 through 7, the Apostle Paul is telling his disciple Timothy, all this is going to be going on. Yea, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. But he goes on to tell him, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child, in verse 15, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The apostle Paul tells Timothy, he does, what he doesn't tell him is, or he doesn't coddle him. Man, Timothy, you know, you're, you're living in a rough time. You know, man, I'm so sorry about that. No. He says, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But he said, continue. Continue thou in the things which y'all has learned and been assured of. No matter what's going on around you, continue. Keep fighting. And that's what we have to do as well. Even though believers will turn their ears from the truth, let that not be us. Even though they will not endure sound doctrine, let that not be us. He tells Timothy, preach the word. Ladies, I tell you, this isn't easy. In the day and age we live in, there's a lot coming at us. There's a lot we battle. And even if it's not 
people around you per se, you have your flesh. And your flesh doesn't want to do what God wants you to, what God wants either. So you have that battle. We have our emotions. We have thoughts. Those can be a challenge. But we have the charge to be faithful to the one who has called us to be not just a soldier, but a good soldier. And to please him. So that's, that's one of many of our missions. Be strong in the Lord. In Ephesians 6.10, Paul starts that verse, finally. He says, finally. The Apostle Paul has taken us through five chapters telling us we, who we are in Christ and the blessings we receive, being God's child, and how we are to walk as believers in Christ. Not as we once were. But now that we are believers, he has give, God has given us his spirit, the church, praise God for salvation. He's given us everything we need to be not only faithful, but to be to successfully walk in this new life that he's called us to. We were sinners according to our flesh. Our lives are to look differently than the world we need to put on the whole armor of God. So he says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. My strength is no match for the battle we've entered into. Like those two little hobbits, they wanted to go fight. The enemy just picked them up, carried them off. No match. That's us. No match for the enemy. He's too powerful. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter uh, Chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, tells us that our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons are not physical because we're not in a physical battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And although a lot of things that happen in that battle are physical, there's a spirit behind the things that are going on in our lives and the people who come at us, there's a spirit behind them. Second uh, Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Thank you. You're welcome. So we are to be strong in the Lord. And remember that our battle is spiritual. So next, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Might means ability, force, strength. It means to be closely joined to a thing or a person. I love that because, as we know, John 15 tells us what to, tells us what to do, and that is to abide in Christ. Can someone read verses 4 and 5 of John chapter 15, please? John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except ye abide in me. I am the vine, the other branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. 
And many of you have gone through Janet Cross's Bible study, and no one I've ever heard can teach abide like she can. So, yes, we are to abide in our Savior, with our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Again, not alone, but with him, because without him, we can do nothing. And then we get to the armor. The Greek word is compound of two other words. They mean to take all, every part of the instruments for warfare. So here are a couple of other ways that God uses the word armor in the Bible. Let's look at Romans 6.13. It says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then John 18.3 also. So the word, I'm sorry, instruments is another word for armor. And I love, before we turn away, I'm sorry, from Romans 6.13, yield your members, yourself, your members, your arms, your legs, your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Our walk and everything that we do, how we use our hands, where we walk, how we use everything is to be used for the Lord. So then John 18.3. Gospel of John 18.3. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came thither with lanterns and torches and weapons, armor. So, don't leave any part of the armor off. Like in Ephesians 6, it tells us to take the whole armor of God. In a war, the enemy will always hit you at your weakest point. We see that in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, when Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. So sometimes when you're led into something, well, anytime you are, it's not that God doesn't know what's going on in your life. He's very much aware, but he has a plan for it. He has a plan for your success. The enemy has a plan for you to fail. But they always hit you at your weakest point. So take care of yourself. Get the sleep you need to get. Eat right. Exercise. Do what you can to take care of yourself because when you are mentally weak, he's coming for you. And it's going to be hard for you to gather your thoughts, to get to the word, to think rationally, to know where do I need to go to be successful in this battle that's coming at me. So later we're going to look at Christ in the wilderness, but we're going to move on to the next word, to stand. To cause or to make to stand, to place, put, set, to stand ready or prepared. And I love this next definition, 
one who vanquishes his adversaries and holds the ground also of one who in the midst of the fight holds his, posi his position against the foe. That's what it's about. We, are, we should be, because Christ, Christ has already won the victory. He's already won the victory, but he's asking us to hold the position. Hold your ground. Don't give the enemy what I've already conquered. Don't give him. Don't give it away. Stand there and fight, armored up. I'm with you. He's with you. You're not alone. And then these verses here are just other words, other places where to stand and other forms of how to stand is listed in the Bible. And then we come to the wiles, the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? Wiles mean cunning arts, deceit, craft, trickery, to lie in wait. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. So the wiles, the wiles of the devil. Again, wiles mean cunning arts, deceit, craft, tickery, trickery to lie in wait. Ephesians 4, 14. says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That is one of the characteristics of our age is deception. And unless we have the light and the truth of God's word to be able to figure those things out, we will be deceived. And man, it comes in... It comes in ways that, wow, that I, this year has been like <laughs> but one of my hardest years. And part of that, part of the hardness in there was deception. Man, there were some things that were revealed to me that I'm like, I didn't even see it come, had no idea, had, did not see it coming. Some of it came from family, some, kind of, some of it came from work. Work was not so surprising. It was still hurtful, but it wasn't that surprising. But boy, there's some family things, and I'm like, what in the world? How did I? I missed it. Totally missed it. But you know, the funny thing is, I think God was telling me, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to receive that. So I was like, no, no, I don't. No, I don't think that. No. But boy, when it came, it was like, mm, the Lord was telling me. I just didn't want to hear it. Um, so let's turn to Numbers. Actually, let's look at Joshua. And I have to figure out where I want to go. Joshua chapter 9. Um, let me see, where do I want to start? Let's start at uh, verse 3. Joshua 9, 3. So Joshua and the nation of Israel had just conquered Jericho and Ai. So the surrounding areas were like, man, they are 
a force to be reckoned with. And so here's this group was like, well, I don't think we can fight them physically, but maybe we can deceive them. And that's exactly what they did. Verse 3 says, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wildly. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. So that word wildly means shrewdness, craftiness, and prudence. They were going to find a way to be okay, even through deception. And they were successful. And so sometimes the enemy comes to us like that, deceitfully. What did the Lord say in the Gospels? He said, judge not according to appearance. Right? So we have to be careful about that, especially, again, in this day and age. Deception is rampant. That is one of the things that the enemy is using to knock us out of the battle. One of many things. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So the person sitting next to you is not your enemy, but the spirit within them could be so even though somebody is doing something to me and I want to smack them <laughs> stand back think for a moment and pray about that spirit that's in them that's causing them to do harm to you or to hurt you or even to hurt themselves like I said we're in a battle not only for ourselves but for our families too and so sometimes the enemy has um, unfortunately has them in his grip and we need to pray that out and get with God on that one of the verses uh, God gave me that I'm praying let me see right now is arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake I am praying that for my family what verse is that? that's uh, Psalm 44 verse 26 Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. I have also, because the battle has been so intense for me this year, and I, you know, we saw War Room. All of you guys, a lot of you guys have seen that. And I was like, okay, that, that's nice. That's good. I live by myself. I can, I, I, my whole house is, is a war room. So I didn't think I needed a place to go and, you know, but I've been reading, I read Oswald Chambers a lot, and um, lately he's been talking about going into a place, closing the door, closing the door, and praying to the Lord. And the battle has been so intense in my life, I got a place that I go in. Yes. Yes. Every time I turn page in that book, the kids He is so deep. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I have resorted to the closet now. 
And I have resorted to writing out my prayers and taping them on the wall. Wow. I need God in my I need him to work. So some of the battles I've been through, I did not have history because it's the first time I encountered some of these things. I didn't have history to draw from to figure out how to handle it. So many times this year I said, Lord, I have no idea how to handle this. I None. So I'm going to tell you guys some of the verses God gave me. The first passage he gave me was um, Psalms 140. And there were some verses out of that he gave me specifically that spoke specifically to my situation. How I was feeling, how to handle it. So that was the first one. Then one morning he woke me up to Isaiah chapter 40. And... When I opened up um, my devotional, that was the verse for the day, too. I was like, okay, confirmation, confirmation. It's like, wow. And then the last passage he gave me was Psalm 40. And some verses out of Psalm 40. Now, what's the key denominator, the common denominator? 40. What does 40 mean? For those who know biblical terminology. Testing, trials, tribulation, testing. Yes, yes. So it was a few weeks that I was meditating on all of those, and then I realized, wait a minute, the number 40 is in each one of those. And then it was like, oh, okay, I know what's going on in my life now. Okay, Lord, I got it. Um, it was time of testing and trials, and that's just where I am right now. And so... Uh, yeah. And, and teasingly, kind of, I said, I will never do this study again. <laughs> like, I, oh my gosh, Lord. Ooh. It's been a wild, wild ride. But God is faithful, you know. He is, and he's, and his, Alan, Alan said this, I don't even know, a while back. He said, read the Psalms until you find yourself. Yeah. And that was where I have get, been getting my, my comfort and strength and answers. And God has just been, I've just been looking at him through the Psalms. And he has sustained me and given me what I need each day. Because it's, it's, it's been rough. Um, so again, we wrestle against spirits. The, the evil, evil evil of this world and then to wrestle the next word wrestle means to throw or to let go of a thing without caring where it falls it means to scatter to vibrate or shake so today what are some of the trappings of the enemy I just have a few things listed here depression that's rampant today we talked about deceiving and being deceived. That's rampant today. Escapism through drugs, alcohol, relationships, and fleshly appeals or fleshly appetites. Those are ways that the enemy is deceiving us today. Anybody think of anything else that maybe I don't even have here? Yep. Yep. 
And I will say this, and I may say this later, but anyway, I'm going to say it now. Let me say it again. Know yourself. Know what you're, know what tempts you. Know yourself well enough to know what tempts you and stay the heck away from it. Don't play with it. Don't be Samson. Samson walked that tightrope with Delilah and walked it and walked it till he fell. Don't, don't do that. Be serious about the war that we're in. Know yourself, know what tempts you, and stay away from it. Guard your heart. And if you know there are temptations that will trip you up, go ahead now and fortify yourself. Get your verses ready. Get the word of God that you need that's going to help you when that temptation comes. Because it will come. That's just how the enemy works. It's coming. But as best as you can, man, don't make it easy. <laughs> so next, the other thing is the spirit of our age. I wanted to talk about that. Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. God, through uh, John, writes, says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, So we're in the Laodicean church age. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. The Lord says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. He's already tried it out. What he gives you is pure and perfect and right. Quit trying to get it on your own. And get it from someone who is trying to deceive you. That thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. As Laodicean Christians, we do not want to hear anything about us being filthy. It's all about us. I love the funny pictures sometime on, and, and I'm kind of weaning myself off Facebook, but there are pictures where, you know, look like somebody's on a nice beach, and then when you pan the camera out, there it's a facade that they've, you know, put up deception. Because Facebook, all those, a lot of those are all about deception. I want you to think my life is this way. I want you to think I got it all together. I want you to think that I'm all that in a bag of chips. Deception. People are hurting. But that, that's characteristics of this age, and we need to be aware of where we are today. That is the spirit of our age. The world, everything. TV, radio, some of the, as much, some of the songs, Christian songs as well, do not lift up the name of Jesus Christ. It's all about us and what we're feeling. And No. That's the spirit of our age. Then 2 Timothy, let's go back to that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, <coughs> verses 1 through 5. 
And boy, okay, so how many years ago was this written? And it's just everything about who we are today. All of this is happening right now. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men should be what? Of their own selves. Is that not the truth? <laughs> Covetous, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, can't get enough, fierce, despisers of those that are good. That's why you're having a lot of battles. People don't like you. Because you're trying to do what's right biblically. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure. There you go, Jane, more than lovers of God, just like you said. Having a form of godliness, they look godly on the outside, but denying the power thereof. And he says, from such turn away. Again, don't play. Because you're going to get caught up. The deception is just too strong these days. And unless you really have your armor on daily, the whole armor, you're going to get tripped up. You will. You will. It's easy to be weary and well-doing, to get tired of the fight and get tired in the fight. It can be depressing to see those we love get caught up in the enemy's trap. So how do we move forward in victory? Physically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually, God has given us what's necessary to hold our ground. He has already won the victory. He conquered death and hell, and we are complete in him. We get into trouble when we do not abide with him, and too many times we lean unto our own understanding, which is a violation of scripture. We quote Proverbs 3, 5, we can quote that in our sleep. But do we live it? Are we living that each day? Troubled times will come. You will be tested and you will be tempted. And actually both are the same, uh, both of these are the same coin. God tests, the enemy tempts. Let's look at James chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And if someone would read that, please. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God can be, cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Go ahead and read 16, please. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Thank you. Thank you. Know yourself. Know what your triggers are. Know what tempts you. 
Because you know what? The enemy knows you. He knows what your triggers are. He knows what tempts you. And he can make it so good that you, you're gone. And you justify yourself. You have a way of justifying yourself. He makes it look so good to Right, right, right. And then we don't take a moment to think, ponder, judge the outward, that outward appearance. Oh, yes, we do. And our flesh wants that. Know yourself. And remember, in my flesh dwelleth what? No good, no good thing. Your no good thing. Your there is nothing in your flesh that loves God. Nothing, nothing. So don't even when your flesh is talking to you, just mm -mm, give it the hand. I ain't even trying to hear you. <laughs> Arm yourself fully with the armor. So prepare yourself with the necessary weapons to protect yourself from your enemies, the world the flesh, and the devil, because they're coming for you. And like I said earlier, for some of you, they've already taken you out, but please reclaim your ground. And I hope this study is the start of that for anyone who is in that position. Next, be clean. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all Filthiness. Wow, isn't that something? Filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So how do we cleanse ourselves? Isn't it so good that God has already given us the answer to how to do that? Psalm 119 verse 9. We should all know that. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's how we clean ourselves. From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. The word of God. But you know what? We have to believe that it's doing that. We have to believe it. Because so many times we live as if we don't. And we're looking for answers and deliverance everywhere else but here. But in the word of God. Okay, I'm going to go. And that's all I'm not saying. It's not okay to talk to counselors and, you know, our, our pastors are here for us. Or talk to another brother or sister in Christ to get some perspective. Because sometimes I just need to talk some things out to make sure I'm not crazy. Okay, this is happening. Does this make sense? Am I crazy? Um, so I just sometimes just had to get some things out. But my answer and the direction on where I need to go is going to come from here. So whatever counsel you receive, take it back to the word of God and grow where you have a relationship with God and the word of God so that it's, it's your go-to. Ephesians 5, 26, 25-26 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with what? The washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So the word of God washes us clean. So lastly, I want to look at those who battle biblically. I know there are many others 
But these are the ones that um, came to mind for me. First of all, Hannah. Man, I, I'm loving Hannah. For those of you who have done these studies with me for a while, y'all know my go-to girl is Abigail. That's my girl. But Hannah, I'm loving, I love this story because she fought biblically. And she had an enemy that was taunting her because she couldn't have children, but this other wife could. So can you imagine living with that every day? I mean, society, it was enough that society was looking down on you as a woman in that time because you didn't have any children. But here's somebody living with you every day in your ear or every time you saw her kids and maybe saw her husband playing with her kids and you're sitting there not able to enjoy that because of the burden in your own heart of wanting to be able to give him children as well. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, she does the right thing. Instead of smacking Penina and going off on her, she went to the house of God and prayed. And this is cool because verse 11 says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. That's the God who goes to battle for me. She knew to call on that name. So that tells me that she, she knew God. It wasn't just, oh, Lord. It was, oh, Lord of hosts, because I need you to fight for me. She knew to call on that name. And did not God do that? God did that for her. Not only did he give her the first prophet of Israel, but then he gave her other children as well. God fought for Hannah. She battled biblically. She went to God about her situation. And then we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 4 and Luke 4, and we know or we're familiar with the Spirit of God leading the Lord Jesus Christ into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And lo and behold, who comes after he's weak and hasn't eaten? There's the enemy. When you're weak, he's going to be right there. But how did the Lord fight that battle? Yes, with Scripture, with the Word of God. And... Christ went, as we know, went through so much with the Pharisees and all of them. But he stood his ground. Why? Because he had a mission. He came to fulfill scripture, to let the Jews know, I am your Messiah. I am your king. So let's say, and at the end of the day, to die for all of humanity. So let's say he, had, you know what? This is too hard. God, Father, I'm coming back. You know, these people are a trip. I'm done. We'd be in a mess. We'd be in a mess. But he stood his ground because he had a mission, so he fought all the way to the end. Then the Apostle Paul, and we know so much of what he went through as well. What was his ground? To make sure the gospel went to the Gentiles, us, to reveal the mystery that God had in Eternity passed, and that was Jew and Gentile in one body, the church. He could have given up. If Paul had given up, how, many of the, how much of the New Testament would we have? 
Right. But he fought to the end because he had ground. He did not give up his ground. And I, and I, I don't know. Maybe sometimes we think, well, I'm not the Apostle Paul. Definitely not Jesus Christ. You know, Hannah and some of those people in the Bible, you know, they're in the Bible. You know, they were like us. Really. Hannah, Paul, Timothy, so many of those we read about. They're us. Don't give up your ground. And if you don't know what your ground is that God is asking you to cover, one is taking the gospel to the world. That's one that we can all claim that. Don't give up on that. Don't be fearful to share the gospel. Be bold about it. Because, you know, people are bold to tell us what they think. As ungodly as it is, they are very bold. Very bold to tell you, I don't believe in God. Very, very bold to tell you that. So, give it back. Our ground to cover may be literal ground, but reap spiritual rewards and spiritual fruit. So, I can't answer for you what your ground is, but I do ask that you think about it, ponder, and get with the Lord and ask him to reveal the ground that he has set for you to stand and defend. So once he shows you that, defend it fully armored. And I pray at the end of this study that you will know the ground that God has given you to defend to make sure you are not defending someone else's ground and leaving yours defenseless. Now, sometimes God has us paired up with people and all of that, but make sure you're defending what God has for you. And then, if you do know your ground or once you know it, make sure you're standing it victoriously and giving God the glory. He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's going to take care of you. Even when it's hard, he's still there with you. Stand your ground. Don't give up. The enemy wants you to give up. Don't do that. He has